just kind of share a little bit of a female perspective, especially on today's conversation for you ladies out there. Sometimes it's just a little easier for you to receive it from a female. So that's kind of one of our goals today. Um, one of our overall goals in this series, Heartbreak Hotel, has been uh, kind of like when you have surgery. Anybody ever had surgery out there? What does the doctor tell you when he sends you home with a pain pill? He says, stay ahead of the pain, right? Don't wait until your pain is out of 10 to take this stuff, take it ahead of time, stay ahead of it. And so one of our goals in this relationship series that we're in has been to show you from God's word how God intended for relationships to work so that hopefully some of you can stay ahead of the pain before it occurs. So that's kind of been one of our goals. Today's conversation, we are going to be talking about sex in church. Yes. Um, last hour, a friend... And all the guys said... Um, last hour, a girlfriend I've been inviting forever finally came to church, and she brought her mother, and I was, like, dying. Like, did you really have to bring her this week? Um, but let me say this. We're parents of three kids. Um, with the two older ones, both times we had to have this conversation with them really before they were ready for it, before they wanted to have it, because of the culture that we live in. We got a phone call the other day, and we're about to have to have it the third time with the youngest one, again, because there's stuff that they're being exposed to. And so we just want to say up front, you hear and see messages about sexuality everywhere. All of the time, you're surrounded and bombarded with them. And if we don't talk about God's plan in church and the healthy way to approach it, um, where are you going to hear it the right way? Now, with that said, we've also put in our worship guide. This is a PG-13 conversation, but if you have kids, I'm going to pray in just a minute, and that would be a great time for you to take them over to our kids' ministry. They'll love on them there or go eat chocolate chip cookies outside if you would feel more comfortable with that. Um, before I pray, I want to say one more thing, and that is this, that when it comes to this topic, this is something that God intended to be beautiful and to be amazing, one of the greatest gifts that we were ever given. What happens to everything that God made beautiful is that we have an enemy who's alive and well and comes along and tries to attach shame and pain to that. And so I understand that when I just say these words, some of you immediately, your mind turned to shame or guilt or pain. And we want to try to unlock some of that for you today. So I'm going to pray with you that you will hear your father's voice in the next 30 minutes, and then we're going to dive in in a very practical, fun, light at times, heavy at times way of dealing with what God has to say about this. Heavenly Father, we invite your presence that has been with us already in worship. God, we ask that we would hear your voice of a good father who loves us and planned something beautiful and incredible for us to experience when we get to experience it your way. God, I know for many of us, we have shame and guilt, and we've been the victim of something we didn't choose, God, and you promise in your word that you can make all things new. And so we ask that you would start that in some of our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we are week four in Heartbreak Hotel with the idea of getting healthier in our relationships. I want to dive right into our passage that we're going to look at today. It's found in 1 Corinthians. So if you have your Bible, grab your Bible. If not, we'll have it up on our message notes. We've got some uh, things to fill in today. 
and for you to take away some tangible things today, some stuff I want us to really uh, walk away hearing and understanding and really believing in our hearts because uh, it's only when we, when we understand the power of God's Word and what it can do in us uh, will it ever be something that can change us and grow us. Uh, with this subject of sex, because it is such a debatable subject, uh, we want to go to God's, God's Word because we believe it's the truth. He's the one that invented it. He invented us. He made us. And so in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 1, it says this. Paul, being the author here, uh, has been asked this question. The question is, now, getting down to the questions you asked in your letter to me. First, is it a good thing to have sexual relations? Well, right out of the gate, we're like, uh, do, do they not know? Is it good or is it bad? Uh, I think some of you probably could ask that question too. Uh, based on whether it's been a good experience or bad experience. Many of us have had poor experiences. Many of us have been abused by it. Many of us have been manipulated, manipulated by it. Uh, so in this day and age, thousands of years ago, it was an issue. In fact, the book of Corinthians was based off the city of Corinth. Corinth was known for be being very uh, abusive of sex. In fact, there was such a sexual, this was such a sexual culture. Uh, such strong sexual emotions and a lot of abuse, a lot of hurt, a lot of shame that was happening in, in the city. So people there are asking the question. In fact, specifically the people asking the question there are people who live in that city who have become new believers. And they're now following this Jesus guy. He's now the guy that died and rose from the dead. It's got this amazing teaching that they've bought into, that they're believing, they're experiencing like grace and love and truth and they're, they're experiencing God meeting them for the very first time but they're also looking at what's going on around them and they're seeing the abuse or seeing the hurt and they've got this question, they're going, is sex good or is sex bad? I mean, because we're not quite sure if it's like holy or if it's like distorted and messed up should we, should we participate in it or should we refrain from it? And so Paul we can all probably have a sigh of relief he says, certainly it's all good, right? But let's talk about how we should approach this very powerful subject. So he says, certainly, but within a certain context. It's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Now, there's the first boundaries of this context, right? That's what Paul's explaining. God sort of breathing into Paul as Paul pins down what God wants him to say. And he says that sexual drives are strong. Now, you've got to remember this. Sexual drives are strong. That's not a bad thing. That's a God thing, and it's meant to be an incredibly beautiful thing, an awesome thing, like, wow, this is awesome. That's what God intended this to be. So sexual drives are strong, but, he says, but marriage, marriage is strong enough to contain them and to provide a balanced and a what? A fulfilled sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. Now, there was a lot of sexual disorder then. Now, I think we could probably agree today that there's a lot of mixed messages today, right? I mean, I, I think I, you name it, you've heard it when it comes to sex. It's gone a long ways from what God intended in the very beginning. And there's a lot of confusion out there to what's right, what's permissible, what's acceptable, what can really hurt you in the long run. And so Paul begins this conversation asking this question, or you being asked this question, and he basically says, it is a good thing. And it's meant to be something that God leverages and uses to bring husband and wife closer together and closer to God. So God gives us this verse to help us 
and to get us ahead of, like Christy said, to get us ahead of the pain. And so we can start making decisions in advance before we get into it. But if you're in it and it's been painful, here's what's cool. I think God wants to use this to bring us back to Him and closer to Him in the midst of some of our struggles. Um, sex is a powerful gift. Um, I remember back when I first got my driver's license, first vehicle I had. Jeff could probably relate to this better. He lived in South Florida, A1A. Um, that it's not something to take lightly. Um, we joke about it a lot in our culture. If you grow up on American TV or Netflix, um, it's everywhere. And it's something that just seems, you know, we just we laugh about it, we joke about it. But it's a gift that comes with a lot of power that affects us not only physically, but emotionally and spiritually. You want to share and, that? Yeah, and it's sort of like getting your driver's license. You know how excited you get when you go to get your driver's license, you're 15 and you can't wait to get behind the wheel and learn about this thing that you've been coveting and wanting for so long. You get behind the wheel and you're like, I can do this. And then if you're like me, I spun out a couple times, didn't want my parents to know. And I realized, wow, this car's a little bit more than I bargained for. And let me figure this out. I've got to you know, get wiser at this and better at this. Uh, recently, we heard about a guy who got an awesome Ferrari Enzo and spent a million, million plus dollars on it. Obviously, he had his driver's license. Obviously, he was a good driver. But when you get behind something like a Ferrari Enzo, as fast as it is, as he was traveling down, uh, um, where was it at? Forget it. Yeah, A1A. And uh, just hit a couple pebbles in the road and just ended up wiping out. You guys see the car uh, behind me. Uh, that involves somebody who did not realize the power of that Ferrari, right? Speed, power, a couple pebbles in the road, and bam, there you got some, you got some struggles. So that, that means this guy, this guy probably went home crying that day, right? He probably went home and said, I was an idiot. How did I blow this? How did I mess this up? And who knows uh, if he made it out alive, I, I'm not quite sure. But here's the, the truth of this is this. Sex is a powerful gift, right? And it's something that's so incredibly awesome, sometimes it's easy to forget how powerful it is. And God says to us, I've got this incredible gift, but I want you to understand, I've given it to you in such a way that I want you to understand how to leverage it and use it for your purpose, for your growth, for this relationship and for that relationship. And God's perfect desire is to spare you that pain. It is. Not a, we live in an imperfect world, and so some of us have been victims to something that we would never choose and that we didn't choose, but his perfect desire and design was that we would be spared the pain. So I want to talk to you in a couple of different groups, um, just to talk about what God's way is for that particular group, but I'll, I'll start out by just kind of sharing a story. Um, a couple years ago, I had several fender benders in a row. It did not go well with my insurance company. Um, some of you maybe have been there before. And basically, the insurance agent told me, Chrissy, you're going to have to drive like your grandma for the next three years. I'm serious. Like, you drive below the speed limit. Well, how, how many of you have been on the highway? Last week, and I took a road trip. And when 85 changes headed north, I was headed to Virginia, and somewhere around North Carolina, literally, the speed limit drops from 75 to 55. 
in, in North Carolina. And so I'm in the right lane. I'm going 54 miles an hour, and cars are just flying past me. Like, it's almost more dangerous to drive the speed limit than it is not to, right? And so I'm just kind of hanging on in the white lane, and everybody's flying past me, and I'm like, I'm doing the right thing over here, but nobody else is doing the right thing, and they're, all, no, they're not getting caught. And sometimes, for those of you who are single, and you know that God has said sex is for marriage, you feel like that. Like, I'm in the slow lane over here holding on, and everybody's flat. Nobody's doing the speed limit. I'm the only one here. I just want to encourage you. God doesn't say, I made something beautiful and perfect for you, but oh, in your culture, you'll never be able to have it. He's not that kind of God. He is a good father. And I want to encourage you that you are not alone. I'm going to talk to you separately, to all of our women who are single. I want to just give you three words. Simple as this. God is love. I know you've heard before that women will use sex to get love, and men will use love to get sex. A man's number one need, according to the best-selling book, His Needs, Her Needs, is sexual fulfillment. A woman's number one need is affection. And so sometimes we will fall into the trap of using sex to get affection that we long for, and vice versa. And so girls, when you enter into a relationship, and that man or that guy is asking you for something that you're really not wanting, you have three words. God is love. And if what he is asking you to do is not of God, then it is not love. It is that simple. You are trading a part of your soul and your emotional being for something that is not what you think it is going to be. And I would love to spare you that pain. For those of you who are young, our teenage girls, it is not if you are going to be propositioned someday, it is when. And so my advice for you would be to go home and stand in front of the mirror and practice saying God is love and that is not a God, and so we are not going there. You practice saying no in front of the mirror. And if that doesn't work, you pull out old lady and her four daughters and you get ready to hit that guy between the eyes, okay? Now guys... Guys who are single, I'm just going to give you one image, all right? It's a Krispy Kreme donut. I want you to visualize a Krispy Kreme donut, okay? There's a, an experiment that is done with young boys around the age of five to find out if these boys are going to be successful leaders later in life. What they will do is they'll put a boy in a room with one Krispy Kreme donut, and they'll tell him, if you can sit here and look at this donut for 30 minutes and not touch it and not eat it, then in 30 minutes, we're going to bring you the whole box of Krispy Kreme donuts and the whole box is going to be yours. All right? God wants to give you the whole box of Krispy Kreme donuts. Don't sell out for immediate gratification and take a bite of the one. Because he has a plan that is perfect that could spare you a lot of pain and baggage. Sex is kind of like crazy glue, in a sense. It creates bonds that are not easily separated. Check out this little prank that these kids tried to play.
I'm kind of confused about this, aren't you guys? Like the prank was possibly for somebody else, but it maybe wanted to try it out in advance and see what's gonna work. That the point bad. the point is this. Sex is not um, it's a spiritual experience, it's an emotional experience, it's a physical experience. It attach it creates a bond that is very strong and is not, not easily broken. And so when you choose sex outside of marriage, you are sometimes attached to a relationship that maybe you should have never been in in the first place. Sometimes it will keep you in an unhealthy relationship longer than you need to be there because it creates that bond. The reverse side of that is this, that it is not strong enough. Just because you have a sexual relationship doesn't mean that that is the person that you should marry because stats tell us that the sexual bond only lasts about five years in a relationship when you're choosing that before marriage. So what I'm saying is it is not the foundation to build the commitment you want to make that's a lifetime commitment to someone that you're going to spend your life with. And it's not easily broken. The visual of the guy with the phone on his face, it's going to be painful. We would love to spare you that pain because the Bible says that God's way is perfect. It is not there to ruin your life. It is not there to, you know, be something that's a ridiculous goal that is unattainable. It is there to protect you. It is there to um, provide you with a life that we can have to the full. Now, your enemy is going to try to twist that. For those of us who are married, um, I remember thinking, I cannot wait to get married because this battle will be over. That is not necessarily true. When you are married, there are new battles, um, especially in the culture that we live in today with pornography and the temptation at every corner. And so, ladies, in a marriage, my encouragement to you would be to remember, God made him to need sexual fulfillment. God chose that. There's not something wrong with your man. He's not being insensitive. He's not, you know, just being a big brute because that's a need that he has. You are the one who can do something about that in a marriage relationship. And I promise you, you want to be the one who does something about that. You don't want him looking anywhere else because that bond is messy when it gets broken. So my encouragement to you women is to remember when you, when you get married, the scripture says your body is no longer your own. His body is no longer his own. It belongs to me. My body is no longer my own. It belongs to him. And to think about that yielding to each other is not just something that we do spiritually and emotionally. It's something that we do physically as well. We have um, some great friends in the city who are amazing counselors because most of us walked into marriage with some baggage in this area, let's just be honest. And if it is, if you don't think you are experiencing sex the way God intended it to be, don't try to do this alone. My encouragement is to, is to start counseling. Don't be embarrassed to do that. A lot of us have a lot of baggage from our past that we need to deal with. Some of you maybe have baggage you've never even shared with your spouse before, and you need to start there. 
We have some amazing small groups out here. I know we've got a men's accountability group. We've got a great women's group. Um, if you are struggling in your marriage, and I'd encourage you to be a part of that, you are not alone. I guess we can't solve all of the problems in one day, but the biggest thing we can do is let you know you are not alone, and God loves you, and he has something better, and he has a perfect plan for you. So if we're going to get help here. We're going to start making forward progress with this. Number one, let's remember that sex is a powerful gift. The second thing I want you to know is we've got to create an environment of, of affection. If we're going to win at this. We've got, to, we've got to create an environment of affection. And it really goes both ways, but I would say it really starts with us as guys. Uh, guys, if you want to win at this, you've got to create this environment of affection for your wife. Some of you guys are like, baby, baby I, I know what affection is, and you guys walk up and you know, give her a smack on the booty, and you're like, there we go, that's affection, right? Not, not really. Maybe part of it, but it's, it's kind of a, a longer process than that. You guys have probably heard uh, it's said before that men are like microwaves, and women are like quad pots, right? Men are like, okay, ready to go. Women are like, come on, give me some time. We've got to warm up to this, right? We've got to be in the mood. And so really when, it, when we're thinking about this idea of affection, we're going to look in Scripture in just a second. And we're going to see that it really means that we're supposed to mutually serve each other. And so, guys, when it comes to affection, I believe, rather than looking at this like a, like a microwave or a crock pot, I really think it goes back to, like, the most basics of cooking, which, is, which to me is like the old school, like, charcoal fire, right? How many guys are, like, into grilling? You guys are, how many guys are grill masters? So when you guys show up, if you're a grill master, you see people that are, like, grilling on, on, on gas, and you mock those people, right? I'm one of those gas grillers. I've had charcoal, but I kind of went back to gas because it's quick and it's easy. And whenever my dad shows up, you're like, son, what are you doing? You're like totally messing it up. I mean, it tastes like, it tastes like gas. And so you guys that are grill masters, you guys recognize this. How many of you guys know what this is right here? You guys know what this is. All right? So if you're a grill master, this is the proper way of getting your charcoals going and doing it correctly. So you, you basically just stuff this one some, some some paper or whatnot, and you pour your charcoal. Some guys will even get more serious. They'll put like wood chips in here. They'll soak their wood chips. They'll get different flavors of wood chips. They'll put it in here. And this done correctly uh, sort of sets the temperature where it gets those charcoals over time white hot. And then you take and you dump this on your barbecue grill, and you're ready to grill. But a lot of us, what we end up doing along the way is we get this out, right? This, again, to the grill masters, is not the right, right way. For me, if I've got charcoal, I, don't, I, I never did that. I'm like, that just takes too long. So I show up and I'm like, lighting it on fire, spraying it, lighting it on fire, spraying it some more. It like heats up all of a sudden, right? But then it dies back down. So you come back, you spray it some more, and it heats up again. You spray it some more. And, does, and over time, finally those coals do get white hot. But guess what your meat tastes like after you eat it? It tastes like lighter fluid. So when you guys show up and you show up and you go like, hey baby, what's up? Daddy's home. And you're like, give me a kiss. Smack on the butt. That's this. All right? All you're doing is lighter fluid. All right? It doesn't work as good. It's not, it's not, as, it's not the right environment. It's not going to work out all that well for you in the end. So guys, guys what I'm trying to explain is, what we've got to be doing is first thing in the morning. We, the way we're going to do this right, if we're going to become a real master, right, we've got to start things slow. It's got to percolate longer, right? So we, what, what, what she's longing for is that affection. So that means 
start in the morning. Maybe it's like holding her hand. Maybe it's giving her a good long hug in the morning. We have this funny rule in our house, like 30-second hugs. Like all the kids before they leave, 30-second hugs. So Chris and I, we do 30-second hugs because all of us are in such a rat race, right? Getting ready, getting all the kids off of school. I'm rushing to work. She's rushing somewhere. So that's just something that we do. You know, guys, it's looking her in the eye. It's putting your cell phone down, talking to her. It's acknowledging, wow, you look pretty today. Wow, your hair, you got to change. It's something different. You got lipstick on right now. Wow, you're hot. I mean, you can do all that, right? It's fine. But you want to, you just want to start by showing affection. So one of the things that we do that I, I really believe Christy loves, and it's I feel like it's on me as a husband, one up the morning person, that's also why it's on me, is we we pray in the morning. And I'll I'll just, whether she's awake or not, I'll just hold her hand if I think she's awake. I'll pray out loud. If she's not away, I'll just put my hand on her, and I'll just quietly pray. But I pray for us in the mornings. And that's, that's I mean, my intent is obviously to pray, but also the other side is some of the joy and the result of that is going home later on that afternoon, and instead of having hamburgers, we have steak. You know what I'm saying? All right? So there is some benefit out of this. Now, my goal is not to come home and have steak, Kind of is, but my goal is to come home and to make sure that we're both doing what? Serving each other. So let me show you this in Scripture. So it says this in 1 Corinthians 7, 3. Paul continues to explain this conversation. He says this, that the marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. All right? That means a both and. That means I'm not just here to like serve me. I'm serving us. I'm serving her. And as I serve her, may it benefits me. So the husband seeking to satisfy his wife, the wife seeking to satisfy her husband, marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Right? And we know what that looks like. We know sometimes, you know, guys, you'll, you'll, you'll be like, I need my sexual fulfillment. Right? And you'll show up and you'll, you'll not have, maybe you've not done a great job of, of, of building things, slow burn, and you just show up and you're like, maybe we, you know, and we kind of, you know, whatever, whatever. And she's like, oh, I got a headache, right? Or I, I don't feel like it. Or I'm just not in the mood. And you're like, ah. So you try the next night. Maybe that happens a couple times. And finally, you just get mad. You're like, yeah, go ahead. I've been trying my part. I've been asking politely. And she's like, fine, whatever. You guys have sex. And then you're like, that wasn't all that great. Because she just gave in. She kind of manipulated the situation. But scripture says this. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. We're supposed to be serving each other. See, we get it backwards. We're trying to, most of us should serve ourselves. I mean, we are creatures that love to serve ourselves. I mean, in all forms of life, most of us are fairly selfish. But if we could start to erase that by understanding this is one way that God wants to grow us closer together, closer to Him, if we'll start serving each other, the sexual thing will be much better for us. And ladies, I would just gently caution you in that area, too, about standing up for your rights. It's not your role to decide if he deserves it or not. Has he been affectionate enough? Has he done it all right? He can't read your mind. Stats will say that 75% of the time, men will do better in their job. They will do better as husbands. They will do better as dads if they are being fulfilled sexually at home in your marriage. So sometimes we kind of think, well, I get to do it's my body. I get to decide, you know, whether you deserve it or you don't deserve it. If you are married, the scripture says you are to yield to his needs. And when you do it God's way, and you yield, and you submit to what he needs, 
you watch God bring that full circle for you. You watch him become. You know, I tell women all the time, we have a lot of young couples around here. He wasn't the man in his 20s and his 30s that he is today. If I had quit on him at 25 or 35 when I was frustrated about XYZ, I would have missed who he became. Do I still have things I'm frustrated with? Yes. You know what I tell myself? He's going to be a different man at 50 and at 60. And if I quit on him now, I, I'm not going to get to experience the benefits of that. So that's my encouragement to you. We sometimes think we play like the role of mama. Like, you know, you earn it or else. And that's not how God intended it to be. He intended for us to take the role of servant and to serve each other. And, I, and guys, it is so incredible when you get grace. Right? And, and ladies, I know you feel the same way when your man gets you grace. And when we're, when we're serving each other and giving each other grace and forgiving each other, you know how much better it is when you're doing that? How much better it is when we're modeling what God's doing for us and how we're receiving His grace and I pass that on and I, 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 I exercise love and I cover her sins and I ignore her faults? We both have them. So when we're modeling Jesus, then it just becomes so much sweeter. Again, God wants to give us this gift of sex. He wants to grow us closer to each other through it, and he wants us to grow us closer to him in the process. So think of this idea of affection is not just with your spouse. Think of who else is watching, namely those of you that have kids. How about your daughters? When I think of affection, I'm remembering that I'm building two young ladies in my household who will one day, they'll also be a wife potentially to somebody. And I want them to, in the process of dating and preparing for potential marriage, I want them to know one thing. I want them to know their value. So when it comes to affection, one, we're modeling that to our kids, but I'm modeling with my daughters. That means I look them in the eye and I put the cell phones down. I take them on daddy-daughter dates. And this whole idea of, like, you can't take your daughter out to lunch because the school says so, I say fooey to that. I take my daughters to lunch, and I tell the school, it's my daughter, I'm taking her to lunch. Give her, the, give her the X by her name, whatever. Why? Because my, my girls know when daddy gives up his time from work and I show up at school and I take them out to eat to the nicest restaurant I can find that will still for lunch, they know daddy loves them. And I'm going to get the door. And I'm going to look them in the eye and I'm going to tell them that they're beautiful and that no one loves them more than their daddy. Why? Because one day they're going to need to respect themselves and understand their identity doesn't come from somebody else. It comes from God. And I'm modeling how much they're valued and how much God loves them because Dad loves them. So guys, that's huge for us. If you've got a daughter, if you've got, if you've got children, we need to model this affection just the same way we do with our wife to our kids. So let's just be honest. When it comes to this subject, there is a lot of debate. Look across, look, look across the landscape of, of sex, who it's with, when to have it, there's a lot of confusion, and there's a lot of brokenness. So I don't, I don't want to stir up a, a conversation where there's a debate, because I, I imagine in a room this size with a church like our church, we're not trying to stir up a debate, but here's what I believe. I don't believe God's trying to suppress us. I don't think God's boundaries or the context of how to have it and how to have it good, I don't think he's trying to suppress us. I believe God's trying to redeem us. Because the beginning of time until now, God's been pursuing mankind as we blew, as we started sinning and blowing it in the garden. Our world's gotten farther away from what God intended all the best ways to operate were. 
And so from the beginning of time until now, God's not been pursuing us to give us a spanking to say bad people might be terrible creation. No, God's been wooing us back to himself. He's saying, hey, I know the world's broken, but start coming back to me and I'll make sense of it. I'll help you bridge the way back. I'll, I'll help to make things different and better for you. But I want you to pursue me in that in the process. And so that's what I believe God's doing. I believe if you're hurting this, in this area, I believe if you're broken, I believe God wants to redeem it back. I believe he wants to make it beautiful again for you. I really do believe that. Here's a cool thought to leave you with. Some of the people who were closest to Jesus when he was on earth were people who had abused and misused and been abused by sex. In fact, the very first person that he appeared to when he rose again from the grave was a woman who had been abused and been a prostitute. That alone tells us that God doesn't just say, oh, this story's a mess. I forgive you. I give you grace. But oh, let's stay away from that. Let's, let's never do marriage again. Let's never do sex again for you because that you've really messed it up. What our God does, he loves to take us at the place that we're broken. He loves to take us at the place where we failed. And he loves to restore us in that very same place. One of the coolest things Jeff and I get to do as part of his calling is we get to be a part of some wedding ceremonies sometimes where people who've experienced some real brokenness in this area of sex and marriage, they, they get to find grace and full redemption. We've seen it time and time again. I'm looking over a crowd and I can point to you couple after couple after couple. And God just didn't say, I forgive you, you're a mess. No, he brought full redemption and healing. And that is possible. And we know that because when Jesus came back from the grave, the very first person he went to was one of the people who had been hurt the most by sexual abuse. And he called her by name. He said, Mary, I went to the grave, I went to the cross, and I lived because I didn't just die to pay for your sins. I died to trade all of me for all of you. So that when God looks at you, he doesn't see any of you. When God looks at us, he sees the perfection of his son. That's what happens when we choose to make him the leader and forgiver of our life. He looks at us and he doesn't see dysfunction. He doesn't see abuse. He sees all of his son. And all we have to do is just accept that exchange. And Jeff, I'm going to let you explain that. Well, I, I, I wanted to close by saying this. I, I, I really feel like some of you today particularly like, I just feel disqualified. I've made some mistakes and I don't know how to find my way back to God. And I would just say this. I believe that God has you here for a purpose today. I don't think there's any accident that we're here. And I think God would leverage this moment for us to do a couple things. Maybe for some of you to say, you know what, I, I, I am married. My spouse is with me today or she's not with me or he's not with me, but I'm, I'm the spouse that's here today. I would encourage you, this is, this is an area that God, you would say God wants to grow you in, to make it better for you. Maybe this is an opportunity for you today just to submit to God. Say, God, I'm going to start doing it your way. I'm, gonna, I'm the guy in the relationship, and I'm going to start I'm gonna start being more affectionate. Not to try to just make my needs, but to just really serve her. Or maybe you're the, the female side of this relationship, your spouse, and you're saying, you know what, 
I'm going to quit just trying to serve myself. And maybe you can try to stick it to him and say, you've been a bad boy and I'm going to withhold this. Maybe it's both of us saying, you know what, we're going to be mutual in this relationship. And I'm not going to hold back and I'm going to give my best and I'm going to serve this person. Why? Because it honors God, ultimately, and it makes it better for us. Because you guys know this. This is kind of wild. That ladies, when you have a headache, stats show having sex makes it go away. Guys, that was just for you. Okay? So let me do this. I, I know this has been a, a, a like in-your-face conversation. But I, want to, I just want to pray this out. And I want to ask God to help us. And I want to ask God to help you to lean into whatever your next spiritual step is in this situation. Maybe it's to say, God, I don't want one thing today. And that one thing is I'm going to start holding my wife's hand and I'm going, to, I'm going to lead the way and I'm going to pray. Maybe that's it. Maybe you ladies, you said, I'm going, to, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to step out there and I'm going to start serving him and not abusing or manipulating me to get something out of this deal. I'm just going to, I'm going to do what God says and I'm going to serve and see what happens. Maybe some of you here today would say, you know what? I, I just, I feel so far from God. I just feel like today, I, I'm just asking, can God, can I have God in me? And maybe for some of you today, that's your, that's your next step is to simply say, I need Jesus in my life. I'm not a Christian, or maybe I thought I was, but I'm not so sure. But today, I, I want to I be a follower of his, and I want to reap the results of, of having forgiveness, of having freedom, and, and the joy that you talk about of knowing God. That's what I want. So I'm going to pray, and I'm just going to pray this up for us, and I want you to join in with wherever you're at. Let's pray. Lord, we submit to you today. God, we surrender and ask you as you would just help us, guide us into your truth, your truth for us personally. Lord, would you help us to lean into our next step, whatever spiritual next step, the guys, the girls, the relationships, for the, for the couples that are dating, maybe they're in, they're, maybe they're messed up right now and they need to stop. God, would you give us courage to do what's right so that we can do what's right so that you can lead us closer to you, closer to each other. Lord, I pray for those that might be really far from you and feel like, I, I can't even believe they let me in church today. Lord, you, we know that you, you are the great giver of love, you're the great giver of hope, you're the great giver of grace. So Lord, for those of us that need your grace today because we, maybe we've never had a relationship with you, if we're here today, we really need to be forgiven, and we've never made you leader for of our life. God, I just pray in this moment that we would pray. Our prayer would be, those of us who need you, our prayer would be, God, I'm asking you to be a leader and forgiver of my life. Would you come into my heart and save me? Let me be yours. I want you to be mine, and I'm going to start following you. I'm going to start giving my heart and serving and following you. I don't know all that, that what that means, but God, today I'm yours. God, God, I know that many of us in this room probably leaned into you today for the first time. And God, I pray that you would start being real in their life, showcasing what your love and grace feels like. God, I pray that today if some of us could get connected to a small group, get connected to this church, and start really building relationships with each other with you. So Lord, we love you. Thank you for your grace. In your precious name we pray. Amen.